Welcome to the Rennie Podcast, a podcast about the real estate market and the people connected by it. We seek to empower our listeners to make informed decisions while providing context for the real estate world around them. We hope that with every episode, you become a little more knowledgeable and a lot more curious. Hello, everyone. Today, we're discussing the latest residential real estate data across the Vancouver region for December 2022. We'll focus on the following three insights. Insight number one. For the housing market in Metro Vancouver, 2022 was the year that was and wasn't. Insight number two, Canada's labor market keeps humming despite high inflation and interest rates. And insight number three, changes to the interest rate environment are on the horizon. My name is Justine Liu, a managing broker at Rennie, and as always, we're joined with Ryan Berlin, Rennie's Director of Intelligence, and Ryan Wise, Rennie's Senior Analyst with our Intel division. I'm also excited to welcome Jeanette Fricker, a longtime Rennie advisor, joining us on our first podcast for 2023. We have a lot to discuss today, so welcome everyone, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Justine. Hey, Jeanette. It's great to be here, mm-hmm. kicking off the new year. I'm excited. Yeah, right? We're exciting. excited to have you. So Thank first you. podcast of the year, I have to ask, has anybody reset their goals? I've got continuing goals. So. <laughs> continuing goals. Nice. Good for you. That's yeah. the way to do it. I've already signed up for the half marathon oh, in very May, good. so wow. we're working towards that. And Ryan, I think you're running the Rennie uh, Vancouver Sun The Sun Run, yes. Only yeah. 10K, <laughs> not a half marathon. It's okay. Still Anything good. else yeah. still good. Yeah. And you're on a on a health a bit of a health kick right now. Bit of a health kick. Just finishing an, a hundred hour fast. So I've got I've got less than six hours to go. So I'm very excited <laughs> to eat again. What's yes. your first meal? Uh, yeah, it's probably not what doctors would prescribe, but it's um or or health professionals, but it's it, uh, it's probably going to be pizza and beer. Yeah, I think I think that's the correct like <laughs> post fast meal. It's it's not the same as the uh, death row last meal. It's more like a, a back into play yeah. scenario. Yeah. So I think that's. That's the way to go. Thanks, for Ryan. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be also curious to see how you feel after that meal. Yeah. Yes. Very, yes. We'll Very excited to hear and excited for you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Ryan, and Ryan's tired of hearing about it in the last four days. I, I wouldn't say that to Ryan's face. <laughs> okay. So why don't we um, stop the topic and get right into insight number one. Insight number one, for the housing market in Metro Vancouver, 2022 was a year that was and wasn't. So given how much of a roller coaster year we've had in 2022, let's discuss where we actually finished and maybe we can shed some light on that compare how that compares historically. Yeah, sure. It was quite the year uh, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so why don't we start with uh, pre-sale? So we don't actually have year-end pre-sale numbers quite yet, um, but we do have an estimate that I thought it'd be worth, worth sharing. So we're pretty close to having the full numbers tabulated, but uh, it looks like we're going to come in around 14,000 pre-sales for the region. Um, given what we know now and where we're likely to finish. So that's about half as much as the record high, about 47% less than the record high from last year. So obviously quite a few less sales than last year, Um, but it's only about 7% less than that past 10-year average. So uh, it was overall the year was pretty close to typical, but of course it was anything but a typical year. So if that estimate holds... Um, the first half of the year will account for 79% of pre-sale activity. Wow. It's wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we look at the typical split and it's about 51-49, about 51% in the first half. We know seasonality at play, spring's always a busy time of year. So usually the first half's a little bit busier, um, but 79% is pretty extreme. So if we kind of extrapolate that out and we say, oh yeah, the first half of the year, it was on pace for just under 22,000 sales. So if that that pace of the first half of the year continued... Um, which would be the second highest annual total we've ever seen. 
So the second half of the year was on pace if that held for about 5,900 sales, which would have been the lowest total since tracking uh, had begun. Again, this is for Metro Vancouver, so for the, the region, um, which would would is incredibly different first half and second half. It's, it's quite remarkable. And when we look at the resale market, it's a, a very similar story. Um, so we've been saying for the last few months, we've this prediction we've had of six consecutive months uh, in Metro Vancouver of less than 3,000 resales in each month. Um, and so sure enough, that did hold and December sales actually came in below 2,000, not even just under 3,000. So 1,963 sales in December. Um, so that's less than the robust 2021 December, but also 39% less than that long run average. Mm. Um, and so we that, that six month of less than 3,000 sales. That's a, a slowdown we haven't seen in a decade, so not since the end of 2012. Um, so the longest slowdown in a decade from this perspective of that 3,000 sale uh, threshold. And yet, total sales for the year came in at over 43,000. So 38% less than that record high last year. Everything was a record last year, but only, air quotes, 14% uh, less than that long run average. So. Again, that first half of the year and that second half of the year were so different that even though we had such a massive slowdown in the second half of the year, our, our overall annual activity wasn't that much less. Um, Two-thirds of MLS sales last year came in the first half of the year. And again, that typical pattern is like a 52-48 split between the first half and the second half. Um, and so we went back deep into the archives and... <laughs> the 2022 was the most skewed year since 1982. Uh, and 1982 was skewed to the second half of all things. Um, so that first half of the year, we sort of set a pace for 54,000 sales, which would have been the second highest year in, in five years. And the second half of the year was on pace for about 32,000 sales, which would have been the lowest year since 2000. It gives me a great opportunity to use the phrase Y2K. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing too, if you think about the that pace of sales in the second half and it annualizing... Um, at a level that would take us all the way back to Y2K. Yeah. <laughs> um, given that the population in this region as well and the number of homes in this region was many tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands fewer at that time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you, yeah, you bring up the, the amount of housing stock that we've added over time, which kind of leads me into the inventory conversation. Um, so inventory, again, it followed that typical seasonal pattern at the end of the year where, where list total listings always decline. And we said back in October podcast, um, three things you can count on, death, taxes, and a 30% decline in inventory in the fall. Um, so I guess we're a little bit off. It, the decline mm. was 28%. Mm, missed that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little bit. So total listings at the end of the year finished at uh, just under 11,000. Um, but it's noteworthy. Uh, we always see this weird drop at New Year's. So from December 31st to January 1st, there's always a big decline in listings. And sure enough, it happened again this year. Uh, so it went from 10,800 to 9,500. Uh, so I, that's, you know, expiries, cancellations, things, things like that at the end of the year. So as of recording today, we're still below 10,000 listings, which again is a historically quite low number last year notwithstanding Mm -hmm. um and so we're in a really constrained inventory environment in spite of that low sales activity in spite of everything going on um and listings are starting to rise again in january but as of as of today still below that ten thousand number 
Um, so given that, you know, both sides of the supply and demand ledger are quite con uh, constrained right now, there's not a lot of buyers out there in the market, not a lot of sellers out there. Jeanette, it's, it's interesting. You were telling us the other day that you had uh, quite a situation come up with one of your listings uh, recently. I don't know if you want to share that. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. I listed a property in Cedar Cottage. It was a detached home and just setting the seller's expectations on where we were at in the market. Well, interestingly enough, I showed that home 78 times within wow. the 25-day oh window. So, you know, there's buyers out there, but I think the challenge they have is adjusted parameters, mm -hmm. and and that's taking a little time to catch up with buyers. Mm -hmm. um, after those 78 showings, I actually had two offers on the very same day. <laughs> so that was, a, that was a red letter day for sure, super exciting. And interestingly enough, exactly what the stats are, are telling us and what we're hearing anecdotally, both of those offers had subjects on them. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the, I'll call it the successful offer, was actually a subject to sale. Mm -hmm. But uh, my sellers were very willing to work with the, those buyers. And I think that's what we're also seeing in this market now is that the stats are telling us the story and we're feeling it, that there is definitely a, a tightening or I, I probably should say decline, but um, where sellers and buyers are open to working with each other, then a deal can be made. So mm -hmm. it still is coming down to that individual property. Mm -hmm. So the flip side of this as well is that I was also involved in a multiple offer for a buyer of mine. And that happened on the same night that we were negotiating <laughs> the two offers on the property. Always happens like that, right? I know. I might have been the only realtor in Vancouver feeling like I was in a super hot market. But um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I find that really interesting because we follow the trends, obviously, in the stats. And we're always trying to set buyer and seller expectations. Mm -hmm. But it really does come down to those individual properties and those individuals and realtors having relationships where they work with one another cooperatively, yeah. for sure. So that's really interesting, Jeanette. Um, yeah, I'm happy to hear that you had a super busy December month, despite uh, what we've been hearing and, and um, seeing in the stats. So could you tell us a little bit more about the home condition? Because obviously, um, that seems like a one-off story where it was super busy, you had a lot of showings and you had multiple offers. So maybe you can give us a little bit of insight on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think what's really key in a market like this is the sellers getting their property in top-notch condition. Mm -hmm. So earlier in 2022, I think buyers would have been in a frenzy to um, purchase a property. But in this current market and the conditions, they're not willing to compromise. So And they can take their time and be a little bit more fussy about their purchase. Yeah. So absolutely, the property that I sold was really well maintained, very well looked after, and it was gleaming every time we had a showing. Hmm. So thank you, sellers. That was 78 <laughs> showings you cleaned for. <laughs> it, does, it really does come down to the individual seller and the advisor as well, the type of advice that you're providing them to. And, you know, this is all very circumstantial. It's very 
different case by case. Um, as you said, this particular uh, situation, the sellers wanted to work with somebody that had a subject to sale, despite they had multiple offers, which isn't always the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely not. And it's something that, you know, it's not as secure, right? It's mm-hmm. one of the least secure offers that you're going to get. So, right. um, and this is, I think, probably one of the words for 2023 for sellers is patience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as, and I think it, it really depends on the market and, and the home in itself. As you said, that the house is in top notch condition. So obviously they cared very much about the house. So they really cared for who comes into the home. Totally. Next. But I still think, like what we need to pay attention to is we had, sorry, 78 showings. So for whatever reason, either the home didn't resonate or they didn't have the financial parameters. Mm-hmm. What also is very interesting, just as a, maybe a final side note, is that 78 showings and one party out of the 78 ended up purchasing the home. And that's a combination of open houses. Okay, but even still. We'll like call it a few dozen inquiries, even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I honestly add maybe three or four second showings and the flip side buyers now are doing way more viewings oh yeah yeah that 15 minute is not cutting it anymore (laughs) I, um, (laughs) i always call back agents yeah when when i'm always happy to show a home even if an agent isn't available then i call back those agents and i ask them for feedback because that's good learning for Mm -hmm. both myself and my seller and so some of the feedback I received was that my buyers have not clued in that they cannot afford your property. Mm-hmm. So and that was really, that was a bit of a surprise to me when I was getting that feedback. Mm. I think so kind um, of interesting. Yeah, I think calling and getting feedback is a very underrated um, practice. Uh, it's very important to do so and not a lot of people are doing it. So I'm glad you, you touched on that. So with that, let's go into insight number two. Canada's labor market keeps humming despite high inflation and interest rates. So let's talk about the latest Statistic Canada December job report. Uh, in, in December, um, we've added over 100,000 more jobs. To put that into perspective, the United States only added 220,000 jobs, um, given how much more people they have. So that's pretty hard to believe. It is kind of hard to believe. And I've actually received some (laughs) texts from our clients saying, can you shed some light on Mm -hmm. this latest jobs report? Because I cannot get my head around it. So yeah, I mean, the US is anything that happens in the US, you kind of think it's going to be 10x what happens in Canada, because they essentially have 10 times more people. So you know, if the US, so if Canada is adding 100,000 jobs in a month, you would think, well, maybe the U.S. is adding a million jobs. Like that would be proportional. Or if, or if the U.S., like they did, is adding 220,000, maybe we'd only add like 22,000. So that we're really punching above our weight. That report in December on, on the job market in Canada was very, very strong. And Jeanette, you were the one that actually brought to our attention that economists uh, were predicting, analysts and economists were predicting about a 5,000 job increase. Mm-hmm. So they were way off, and that I mean that that in and of itself is not indicative of anything, you know, strange going on, or or it shouldn't make us be suspicious of the data at all. Economists get things wrong all the time, as we know, as we know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it is very very hard month to month to predict what's going to happen in the job market because it does it's hard to put too much. You don't want to put too much emphasis on the month to month changes. It's just it can, even when seasonally adjusted, which these data are. They can be quite volatile. So you mm-hmm. generally you want to look over longer time frames. But I think if we just take a couple of minutes and unpack a little bit of what was in the data for December, 
it's helpful. And I think it's also to, to it's helpful for us to understand how the labor market has been more broadly changing over the past year. I think it's indicative of the changes we've seen year over year. Um, so 100,000 new jobs in December um, brought the unemployment rate uh, nationally um, down to 5%, which is very, very close to the lowest unemployment rate we've ever seen since we started recording these data uh, way back in the 70s. So our labor market is, despite you know these high inflation and uncertainty around that, and uh, and then what's accompanying that is high interest rates, which is disincentivizing borrowing and spending and incentivizing saving, we are still seeing hiring occur. Um, and that hiring is pretty broad based, which is encouraging. So we're not, it's not one particular group of people or one industry that is driving it all. So mm -hmm. we're seeing, um, uh, we're seeing pretty strong growth across sectors, uh, more recently led by construction, transportation, some of these sectors that are, we're also seeing it in education. Some of these sectors that maybe were a little bit suppressed, uh, in 2021, we're now seeing them sort of come back to their, their pre-pandemic trend level. Mm -hmm. So that's encouraging. And a lot of the job gains, in fact, all of the job gains in Canada in 2022 were in full-time work. There were more full-time jobs added than there were jobs added overall. So we saw a little bit of shrinkage in the part-time mm -hmm. side, um, which isn't terribly surprising, but it's encouraging. The full-time work for those who want it is the, the security of income, and it generally underpins the economy a little bit better at a macro level than 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 part-time employment, although part-time employment plays a very vital role in the functioning of the economy. Um, if we look across the country, most provinces saw increases in employment in December, um, including BC. Um, and wages as a result of the, the strong labor market have continued to rise. So wages rose on a year-over-year -year basis uh, in December by 5%. So not not keeping up with inflation for now, for now, mm -hmm. but historically speaking, if we're looking at historical context for this wage increase, it's it's fairly robust. Mm -hmm. um, and then if we sort of drill down to Metro Vancouver, this region, uh, our unemployment rate currently is at 4.4%, so it's below the national average. Um, it ticked down a couple of decimal points from 4.7 to 4.4. Um, our labor market locally, regionally, um, is is strong, so I'll, you know all of this is relevant. When we talk about the job market. You go well, who, you, yeah, it matters. But why, in the context of housing, does it matter? But obviously, to have a housing market that is functioning in a normal way, not tilted towards buyers or tilted towards sellers, but just sort of with a um, just a well functioning housing market, you need a well functioning labor market. And I think what's maybe really interesting, and one of the interesting elements of the latest jobs data is that. If you look at the age groups that were contributing to the job growth, the younger age group, like so 15 to 24 year olds um, contributed significantly to the recent increase in employment. Um, and so that group tends to be, I mean, some of them are a bit young to be buying homes, certainly, but that's sort of the leading edge of that first time home buyer group. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're looking at, we just looked at, at data very recently here that sort of suggested that even though sales are down overall, the share of first time home buyers participating in the market is sort of is, is creeping up a bit. And I think a strong job market underpins that. And I know, Jeanette, you had some thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that there's been a real fear on behalf of buyers and particularly first-time buyers about an impending recession. 
and are they going to experience a job loss? And so I think when we get this kind of positivity and we do hear about, even if it's fractional, but increases in salary, I think overall, just in terms of sentiment, it's positive. And I have first time buyers, actually a, a young buyer who's just purchased a home, a two bedroom with the assistance of his parents who helped uh, with the down payment. So the deal is that he's going to rent out that second bedroom and pay that debt off to mm -hmm. his parents. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a young person that's going to take that bedroom, right? That's going to rent with him. And so I think there's some positivity here, like over, it's, it's kind of circular. It's all working together. Mm -hmm. And so that's interesting for yeah, sure. That, mm -hmm. um, we talked about our consumer sentiment survey last month, um, but that reminds me of a data point we actually didn't share last month, which is that, we asked consumers uh, how they felt about their personal finances over the next year, and it was overwhelmingly uh, the younger age groups that saw their personal finances improving over the next 12 months. That was by far the highest share, yeah. was that uh, 18 to 25-year-olds, I believe. Um, they felt that their personal finances were going to improve the most over the next year, and that's you know in part being in the early stages of their careers, things like that, but I think that goes to your point. Mm -hmm. Uh, in, a, in a strong labor market, it's those people who see them themselves really growing their incomes and their personal finances. Yeah, and I think too, I mean, Bob always talks about the transfer of wealth, right? How mm -hmm. many people are sitting on, on this incredible accumulated wealth in their housing? And so I think when you have a strong labor market, then parents can feel very confident in terms of supporting their, mm -hmm. their kids, right? And that it's going to be a positive experience. Mm -hmm. So this brings us to our final insight, insight number three. Changes to the interest rate environment are on the horizon. For more than a year, we've been experiencing or dealing with the rising of interest rates. Is there evidence that perhaps the rates might soon stop the rising or even possibly come down? Gasp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, some, it's weird to even like hear that question be asked because rates we have been a rising in a, in a rising mm -hmm. rate environment for such an extended period of time um coming off the heels of a long period where rates were low and stable mm -hmm. um and then obviously during the pandemic were extraordinarily low and obviously unsustainably low um so i guess the short answer to the question will rates stay where they are or come down is is no we don't think so so let's but then we'll move on to the 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 the, the other side of that coin which is Yes, we think rates will come down. <laughs> um, when, but uh, yeah, you know that's that's the question, right? Because they are they are um, above what we might consider to be their neutral level equal equilibrium level. But let's just talk about the Bank of Canada here for a moment, because at the last during our last podcast um, back in December, uh, we looked ahead to the Bank of Canada meeting uh, in January, which uh, is January twenty fifth. Um, so as of this recording, they have not met yet. Um, our expectation then was that they would, after having increased in December by 50 basis points to 4.25%, that they would increase another 25 basis points or quarter percentage point in January. And then we said they would pause. We said that was our view from where we were back in December. And there were a number of things that we'd be watching, just like the Bank of Canada, between then and the end of January when they meet. Um, and that included a couple of data releases that would tell us more about inflation and how that's tracking data for both November and December. 
the jobs report for December, which just came out, um, which includes information on the unemployment rate and also wages. And we also said we'd be looking at what's happening south of the border. So what's interesting is the jobs report was probably stronger than we expected, but we didn't expect the labor market to be weakening a ton. So that was kind of in in that sense in line with our expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, we have one out of two inflation data releases um, at our disposal now to, um, as we consider where rates might go. And that showed for November a bit of a moderation in inflation, but not a significant one, not enough to to signal to the Bank of Canada that, hey, we, should, we shouldn't increase rates anymore, right? Inflation is still too high. And we're going to get the next, I think, right, the next inflation data. So for December, right before the meeting, a week before the meeting, right? Yeah, the 17th, I believe. So that's another one where, you know, we expect it to come down, and uh, but not tremendously. It's still going to be elevated. Part of the reason that we have maybe a little bit more confidence in saying that it will come down some more is that we just, just today actually, the US inflation data was released and it came off pretty significantly. It's still mid sixes, 6%, which is way too high, but it's moving in the right direction now for a number of months. Yeah, and it's worth pointing out, they've been much higher than us throughout this period. That's true, yeah. So if they've come down to 6.5%, there's a chance that we we see inflation dip closer to 6% um, for December. So we'll, we'll see. The point being... You know, all of the data that was released between their last, the bank's last meeting and their upcoming meeting have kind of suggested that, yeah, a 25 basis point increase is appropriate mm-hmm. uh, at the end of January. But that's where I think, you know, we, we look at the, you know, all of the factors influencing inflation. And then we look at all of the things that are influenced by interest rates. And what we're seeing now is an economy that is responding to higher interest rates. We're seeing inflationary pressures abating the month-to-month inflationary pressures. If we look at the last six months of uh, 2022 versus the first half of 2022, it's like night and day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all essentially prices, wherever prices are now, it's all be, it's almost all because of the run-up in the first mm-hmm. six months of the year. And from there, they were really, they were kind of stable. And, and that makes a lot of sense. If you look at the first six months of 2022 and what was happening with the a, a new war, war in Ukraine, and that led to rising oil prices and gas mm-hmm. prices and 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 the price of wheat. Um, who knew that Ukraine was the breadbasket of Europe? I wasn't fully aware of that, but it became very apparent um, through the impact on prices. And we saw rents increasing dramatically, like following a path from 2021 into 2022. We had uh, rising interest rates, rising mortgage rates at the beginning of 2022, even though the Bank of Canada hadn't acted yet, at the same time that home prices were rising too. And all of these things fed into inflation, but all of those things have kind of flipped now. And so mm-hmm. the expectation on our part as we look ahead is that we see spending uh, uh, slowing as well. Obviously, housing market activity is down. And so we look at you know the bank's you know view of the world beyond January. And I think there's a we feel there's a pretty strong likelihood that they're going to pause after the January hike and sort of let the rate hikes and the interest rates where they are marinate um, to see what that full impact of those rates is. Um, and so I think that that is possibly, you know, the beginning of, you know, I think it's, I think there's a strong likelihood that is the end of the rate hikes for the foreseeable future. Um, and I do think that we will see by the end of the year, um, given the um, the path of inflation that we expected, which is for it to come down significantly uh, by even midway of, of this year, 
that we might see some rate cuts by the bank by the end of 2023. Certainly, bond markets are showing moderation, mm-hmm. and, a, and, and in turn, uh, fixed rate mortgages, the, the rates associated with those have actually started to come down already. So dare I say there is some hope on the horizon. And so, Ryan, are you able to just give the listeners a, a quick refresh as to what the target inflation rate is mm. the government is hoping to yeah. ch- to get to? Good, good question. Yeah. So the 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 Bank of Canada's you know, primary mandate is really to maintain a, a a low and stable inflationary environment. So they don't want to see prices, general consumer prices, rising by much more than three um, percent for any extended period of time. They'd like prices to inflation to hit two percent. So prices year over year are increasing, but really modestly mm-hmm. and in a stable way, like they were before the pandemic. We're really unwinding. We're going through an unwind here. Uh, This is still pandemic effects that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Um, But they've been very successful in maintaining, uh, through the interest rate mechanism primarily, a low and stable interest rate environment. They want to get back there. We expect from, we're high sixes now for inflation. We expect our forecast, our baseline forecast is for inflation to slip back into that 1% to 3% range, which is where the bank wants it, by the summertime. So on that note with hope on the horizon. Um, I think what's also an interesting fact of the interest rates and goes hand in hand with it from a from a buyer's perspective is the stress test. Mm -hmm. And there was some conversation about making an adjustment to that. Mm. And that's not going to happen is my understanding. However, I would say, for those buyers who bought before the interest rates dropped Mm -hmm. and who had a five-year term then they've been cushioned somewhat by by the stress test and you know I remember when that first came up and we were all up in arms and it was you know not required but ultimately it's given some cushioning so when you're making these comments about you know a potential decline in the rates over let's say even on a 24-month basis then I think those people who are able to qualify now at the seven high seven percent eight percent stress test they're going to be in a much better position even if it doesn't feel like it now Mm -hmm. if you can get into the market and then those rates come down i think we're gonna start seeing that you know as the demand again because the demand's continuing now if we look at new listings to sales which we had a conversation about the other day they're getting picked up at the same rate new listings are coming on so that that demand is there so it will continue absolutely so if you're cushioned for sure and the almost a perverse observation of this market right now is that if you are able to afford um to buy a home in this high interest rate environment rates are are almost certain to come down over the next couple of years back to probably something you know in line with where they were right before the pandemic mm-hmm. um and there's value appreciation associated with those declining rates. It's what the the boomers benefited from over a 40-year period, right? <laughs> exactly. If you want to talk about why did house prices go up so much, a big explainer of that is interest rates going from 20% to 2%. That's not going to happen again. But if we're talking about going from you know the average five-year discounted rate, maybe four and a half to four and three quarters down to two and a half, two and three quarters... You know, if you can afford it now, it's going to be a little bit easier in five years' time after your your income's also gone up by whatever it's going to do naturally, sort of 
for the average <laughs> the average person over a five year period. Yeah. I have a new listing coming up. Um, I've got a fabulous townhome coming on the market in Kitsilano in the next couple of weeks. And so part of my protocol is to call agents that have similar type listings in the market and just kind of gauge what's happening, what the interest rate is, have they had you know mm. any offers mm -hmm. and so through that process what what i'm hearing is that there's been a real renewed energy in the market so even in terms of you know activity inquiries um, people even talking about making an offer so it, it's early days in january yet but because those listings are still constrained is we talked about earlier mm -hmm. um, what's coming to market and especially product that shows well and is desirable i think it's going to get picked up so you know even in this interest rate environment what's going to happen january 25th with the new you know the new announcement it's hard to say but i think people who you know stay on top of it with your mortgage broker and be prepared because when, when good mm -hmm. good stuff comes out like what i have coming mm -hmm. <laughs> there there will be interest so that's a really good point too because through our consumer sentiment survey which again we've talked about previously, but the general feeling is that uh, on the part of consumers is that it will, the conditions will be better down the yeah. line, mm -hmm. like end of the year kind of thing. And so to your point, I think if you're a buyer who is prepared, you have your financing in order, you are in constant contact with your, your broker and your, uh, your agent or your advisor, um, there are going to be opportunities, mm -hmm. right. That come up in the nearer term. And we know that, over the last six months, as as Ryan had said, um, we, we're looking at a once in a decade slowdown in sales activity, right? So there is, you know, implicitly there, there is latent demand, pent up demand. There are people, 78 showings or however many dozen people mm -hmm. legitimately interested in buying a home who didn't buy your other, your listing. Um, and so they're out there. So I think the more prepared you are now, just the, the better you are to your point. Um, the, the better able you are to capitalize or seize on something that mm -hmm. is. If you're one of right the thirty-five percent of consumers that tell told us that they intend to buy, you know, you want to be ready in case that that right property comes up. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, for sure, there's a hesitancy and there's a fear for some buyers. I think you know, I have some buyers who, are, you know, they feel a little bit sidelined. They're really they're kind of nervous to to go back mm -hmm. and get um you know find out the truth <laughs> but once you i think i think ryan you you said to me uh you know they're afraid to get on the scale after christmas <laughs> <laughs> and i love that saying but uh also that's me but um i think you have to find out and when you do you're in a position of strength Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the same for sellers, you know, sellers are, some sellers are also buyers. They feel hesitant too. So I think, you know, they're looking at previous pricing and wondering, well, what can I get now? But there's been that shift. Mm -hmm. So I think knowledge is power. But it's also back to your point about being a prepared seller too. You got to get your property in order. Maybe there's a lot of little, little jobs around your house Absolutely. You to get ready to sell and things like yeah, that. hundred percent. Yeah. It's good to, it's good to hear that there's still a positive sentiment out there. People are you know, perhaps getting back out there and, um, yeah, to Jeanette's point, be prepared. So, yeah, thank you so much for sharing, Jeanette. And this um, brings us to today's podcast, which covered the three main insights. Insight number one, for the housing market in Metro Vancouver, 2022 was a year that was and wasn't. 
Insight number two, Canada's labor market keeps humming despite high inflation and interest rates. And, in, and insight number three, changes to the interest rate environment are on the horizon. So, Jeanette, um, do you have any final thoughts or sentiments that maybe you want to share with with the audience that's listening, um, perhaps potential buyers or sellers uh, who might be interested in buying or selling in this market right now? Yeah, I think from a buying perspective, you know, keep looking, don't give up, stay positive, work with a mortgage broker, um, find out all your options because there are rates and then there are programs that are specific to mm-hmm. you and your capabilities and what you can manage. So find out truth is power. And then on the selling side, the same thing, like you're maybe you're going to be on the market a little bit longer, have some patience and have your home in tip top shape. If mm-hmm. it's gleaming and looks great, you know, in any market, but particularly this market, you're going to find the right buyer. Yeah. And hopefully with that, um, that patience, like you said, Right. So that's great. And if anybody wants to reach out to you afterwards to to connect, where can they reach you at and how can they connect with you? Yeah, they can reach me at my email, which is jfricker at rennie.com. Or you can come to my webpage, which is at rennie.com backslash Jeanette Fricker. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook as well under my name. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jeanette. It was a pleasure having you today. So this wraps up this episode of the Rennie podcast. To dig deeper into the data, be sure to check out the latest Rennie review and other intelligence information on rennie.com slash intelligence. Be the first to receive this information straight to your inbox. Register for intelligence updates. Thank you, Jeanette. It was so nice to have you join us today for the first podcast of the year. We really appreciate your time. Thank you, Ryan and Ryan. And um, until next month. Thanks, Justine. Thanks. Thanks, Jeanette. Thank you, everyone. The Rennie Podcast is a Rennie production and is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, all resources mentioned in the episode can be found on rennie.com. (laughs) 